Shalom Echmar Paisai. As we advance in Sefer Gracious, this week, Bez Hashem, we'll be reading on Shabbos Parashas Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha was one of the ten tests that Avraham Avinu was tested with by Hashem to see his love and devotion and his amun in Hashem. Even though Avraham Avinu was the first one to really identify Hashem by himself, to realize that there must be a creator, but Akash tested him ten times to be able to see how strong his amun is and how strong his love and his devotion is to Hashem, that even if things seem to be going against what would seem to be a proper <clears throat> way of the world running to somebody who believes so strongly in God, to see how Abraham Avinu would stand strong and be able to pass those tests. And would that be able to be a, um, a way of helping us for the future generations when we are are confronted with different challenges and tests which are related to the test that he had to give the craft to his children and all the generations coming after him to be able to withstand those tests. Now, the question which many of the Roshayim, many of the Mepharshim ask is, in last week's parasha, Parashas Noyach, it talks about Avram being one of three sons. There were three sons of Terach, with Avram, Nochar, and Horah. Now, <clears throat> it says, Haran died in, while his father was still alive in his home in his uh, hometown. Urkastim, in place of birth, but Urkastim. Now, what Urkastim? So Rashi tells the famous uh, story of the Medrash, uh, the Bridge of Medrash tells the famous story that Avram Avinu. Uh, when, when, when Terach went out of his, Terach sold idols, when Terach went out of the store, so Abraham Avinu went and destroyed them, and, uh, and, and Terach came back and he brought him in front of, uh, Nimrod, who was a tremendous Russia at the time, and, uh, you know, and then, and then Nimrod threatened to, if you don't jump into the fire, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna kill you, you have to go into the fire, worship the fire. And Avram Avinu went into, well, you know, was standing there with Haran, and Haran was being threatened, the same thing. And Haran said to himself, well, let's see what happens to my brother Avram. If he goes inside, then I'll go inside also. If not, then I'll be with Nimrod. And Avram went in and was saved. And uh, then Haran tried. Of course, his Amuna wasn't like, you know, uh, the Amuna of Avram Avinu, so he, he perished in the fire. And that was a tremendous test for Avram. And uh, Avram took his whole guf and put it inside to show the moon in Hakadosh Baruch And here, <coughs> you know that that test winds up being just mentioned with a hint in the pasuk of Lord Caster. And here, when it gets to the, the, the next test that Avram Avinu had, where he's a seventy-five-year-old man and he's you know just trying to you know you know he's an older man already and he's being told now go now to the land. He isn't, he isn't even told which land. You leave your hometown, your, your birthplace, your father, and so on and so forth. And you become a great nation. You can have all types of wealth and, and uh, tremendous bracha that you're going to have. And he has to go now on this journey to go, you know, uh, based on the words of Hashem, to go build his life. And that wasn't easy either. When he came there, all of a sudden there was a famine. You know, but this test, the Torah spends a great deal of time expounding on on the details of this test, of what happened with this test, so on and, f- so, on and so forth. Why? Why is it by the 
the sign of Orkaspin when he went into a fire, that's just the two words in the Pasuk with the remez that, that the Medrash has to explain to us what that is. And here it just tells you everything, you know, in detail. So the Farshim explained that being that the Torah is not just a storybook, the Torah is telling us things that we have to be able to know for the future. Sometimes it'll be a story. So the whole story that happened to Abraham Avinu when he went into the fire, that was definitely a something which was very, very important. And it was a tremendous, tremendous Messiah that he, that he took. But that was a Messiah for, for the, the special people, which are on a very high madrega, are able to come to. And that's something which we have to build ourselves to come to high madregas like that, to be able to be aimed in all different, to be able to, you know, aimed in and go through all different types of Messiahness. But that's something which somebody in a very high madrega is ready to do, to jump into a fire. Therefore, that's something which is important to learn from. But that's being said by Remes. The design of Lechlecha is not something which is just applicable to a very prestigious person or a person on a high madrega. That really has to be the lifeline and the theme and the, and, and the way that a person deals with everything in life. And therefore, from this test of Lechlecha, that's something which Rabbi Avinu was teaching us for the future, how we have to live our life. And that the whole idea of a yid is lech lecha. You always have to go further and not to be stopped by the challenges that are coming our way in a way as if to tell us you have to go on, you have to move on, you have to be able to go further. And a yid is never supposed to be <coughs> to give up. He's never supposed to be misyayish. He's never supposed to give up. He has to be able to go from, from, from situation to situation and to know that we just go further and we build ourselves. And that's what we learned from Abraham Avinu, a person who's 75 years old, which normally a person by that point is very, you know, spelling on pension and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, calming things down. And here he's told he has to go further and just build his life. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, the Panovich Rav, that's how. He came as a person, an older person who lost his family, and he came to Territus Row, and in Breibach, at a very, at an older age, he built the whole Panovich. I remember not that long ago, right? My, my, my father was Rebbe Shlomo Volos at Tzau, along with Mechaber Ali Shor. So he, he, you know, he was a tremendous Talmud tremendous Mechanech that he was able to build different uh, different uh, places in Klai Yisrael and to be advising different yeshivas. And at the age of eighty, he began a yeshiva. He was Mashkiach of Beriakoy for many years, and he went over all the way to Israel and gave Shmuz and he gave Sichot. And he began a yeshiva, it's called Yeshiva's Gevashor, which he started when he was 80 years old. And he lived till 90, he had 10 years to be able to, you know, to be Mamikit. But many people at the age of 80 would say, nothing for the next generation, I did my time, it's not for me. Right now I'm just going to calm down. He looked at it as like, you know, you got to go on, you have to keep on moving, life is precious, life is valuable. You have to constantly be able to to work with the situation and go further. You know, they bring Hashem the Chidah that Avram was Avram was called Avram Ivri, right? So Ivri was the stage where Avram was able to say, "Akol Yavar, everything could just pass by. I could just pass by everything, any situation that comes my way. There's not going to be something that will stop me and say, "Oh no, I'm finished. I can't do it." We move further and we do the most that we can. That's what the Kosh wants to see. Lech lecha, you have to go further. So I saw it in this Sefer, Sasper Mesechem, he brings this story. Interesting story that there was a, 
<coughs> there was a flight that was going from, um, I think, Eretz Yisrael to America. Well, I think from Eretz Yisrael to America. There was an Israeli couple on the plane. Um, that was not, um, not religious Israeli couple that was on the plane. And it was the first time that they were ever on a plane uh, going to Chutzlaretz. So they were very excited about this trip. And in the middle of the flight, all of a sudden, they started to detect that uh, something's happening. She's not feeling well and she's not as conscious as she should be. So there was a little bit of an alarm. You know, everyone got a little bit alarmed on the plane. And there was an American doctor on the plane that hurt what's going on. He was a neurologist. And he came to see the situation. And he checked the woman. And he said, right, right there and there, I'm, I have a fear that she might have an infection by her brain, which probably had meningitis. And uh, I think you have to land the plane as soon as possible and get her to some type of a help because uh, otherwise, you know, it could, it could be, uh, you know, could be very detrimental. Now, they were an Israeli couple. They didn't understand. So they had a, a, a interpreter who was a from Yiddish, that was there. And he was like the interpreter between them, explaining everything, what the doctor says to, the, to them. And after the doctor explained it to them, so the... Uh, the husband turns to the doctor and says, you know, you know, doctor said Hebrew, and then the Rav interpreted it. He said, you know, this is our first time going on a plane. We're going to Chutzler. It's and, 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 you know, this is really going to get in the way of our flight. Is it really, really necessary for us to have to stop over and start doing this over here? To do that, is it really necessary or exaggerated? So the doctor got frustrated with him and he said, listen, do you want a wife or do you want, do you want to bring a body? You know, you have to think about it. If you want to, you want your wife that's alive, you have to make this stop over. You can't think of your trip to, to you know, your traveling trip now for your enjoyment. You have to think of what's with the benefit of your wife. So this Rev, who was the interpreter, hearing what was going on, so he started to say on the plane to Hillam. And there were more people on the plane that started to join into the Tehillim. It became very, very, very emotional. People were dabbing for this woman that she should have a Fushalayma. And when the husband looked and he saw what was going on, in the beginning, he was just like, I'm not interested in this. I'm not going to jump into this. But when he saw how many people were getting involved inside the tefillah, that, that inspired him. And he started to join into the davening as well. He joined into the davening as well. And he was so touched by it, at one point he turned to this rav that was there, and he said, you know what? I, I want to do something for the, for, for the Swiss of my wife. Can you give me an idea of something I should take upon myself that should be a Swiss of my wife? So the Rav said, yeah, you know what? You should try to be Mikabal on yourself to keep Shabbos and to keep Kashrus and to be, keep Kataras Meshbacha, Baruchas of Lida. And they exchanged telephone uh, numbers and and they made that emergency flight and she went off to the hospital and they then the flight continued. After a while, the, the Rav gets a telephone call from the husband he says, you should know, there was, uh, the doctor was so right. When he came there, she really had infection in her brain, meningitis. And uh, Baruch Hashem, because we came there on time, they were able to save her life. And they said all at one, at one point that if we would have been held back any longer, then we would have been finished. It wouldn't have been what to talk about. So he was so thank, thankful to Hashem that, uh, you know, and he said that he's working on being a chazik in these mitzvahs. And he told him, you know, to do about Shabbos and Kashrus and, and uh, you know, Taras uh, Mishbacha. And, you know, he told him that Hashem will be in touch. After a while, he gets a call from this person and lets him know they were Makabal 
you know, uh, on themselves. Totally chazik tshuva that they're from family, from family today. Now this Rav tells everybody when he tells a story. He says, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. When I saw it happen, and I started saying to him on the plane, and I saw that the husband wasn't interested in joining in with me, my first feeling was, you know, if he doesn't care about it, he's not worried about it, so why should I get all worked up about this? If he doesn't care about being helped, then, it's, then you know, well, why should I do anything over here? And then at one point I said, what does it make a difference what he thinks and what he's doing? I have to move on and do the right thing. This lady's life has to be saved. And if I strengthen myself and I look myself and I said, it makes no difference. And I and went further and I went, lech lecha. nothing stopped me. And I, even though there was something that was like a challenge in my way, I kept it going. And from here we had her have a first time. And now there's a new religious home that exists in Klai Yisrael as a result of that, of that pushing past the things that are in the way. And he brings also an interesting, a cute story to illustrate the point. He says one time in the jungles in Africa, they were trying to catch a certain type of wild monkey. It was very quick, and they weren't able to get hold of it, and they wanted to be able to get it for their, for their zoos, whatever it was. And, the, you know, all the different types of hunters, people who were after, just couldn't get it. Until one more time they realized that this monkey specifically liked very, very much to eat rice. So one of the uh, you know people who were trying to, to get a hold of him they went ahead and they they cooked a a big pot of rice with some special spice, you know, to make it smell very good, something very appetizing. And they took the rice and they put it into the hole of a tree that was just big enough for the monkey to put his hand inside. But if he goes ahead and he stuffs his hand with the with the rice, it's going to stop him from being able to take his hand out. And sure enough, the monkey smelled the smell of the rice ran there and stuck his hand into the side there and he filled up his whole hand with the rice and sure enough, he could, just couldn't get his hand out. He just couldn't get his hand out. He was caught up in the trap of those hunters that went there to go ahead and get him. So the Shrub says, if only this monkey would be able to think for himself. That's a monkey, right? <laughs> Being foolish. If you just let go of your hand and let the rice out and you pull away from that and you move forward, you'll get your hand out and you'll be able to be matzliach. The problem is you're caught up on that rice. Throughout life, many times there are things that come our way, there are certain challenges, and we just close down the system, we just close up and we say, oh, oh, that's it. That's not how a yid works. A yid works with the recite of lech lecha, we go forward, we move on. And that's something which we're seeing now in Kuala Yisrael. Like we mentioned the last two weeks, we're still going through a trying time in Yisrael, Shas Sakana, and Bez Hashem, we should have see Yeshua's for the Chamas Bikarev. But Kai Yisrael <coughs> was hit with a big clap. And, it's, and at the same time with that clap, there's many people which are moving further, taking further, going further. You know, my, my, my children told me a story. Could be some of you heard this. I don't always get to see all the stories brought down. But one of the, in one of the families in, <coughs> in Gaza, that lived near Gaza, at the, at the edge of Gaza, um, here in Etzishol, they call it Otef Az, cities that are like... <laughs> so at the at the next to the Gaza Strip, so when there was a family was inside there, a woman with her little children, and she prepared them that if anyone comes in to fight, she gave each child a knife to hold on to, and then when she was inside the 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 uh, bomb shelter in the house with her children, she started to hear Arabic voices and terrorists were inside her house, 
and she had such a pachad. And she said, "Rabbi Nishalalim, if if you if you keep save me and my children that we shouldn't be inside of Sakana, I'm a cabin myself that I'm going to start keeping Shabbos Kaddish. My whole family is going to keep Shabbos Kaddish. Please." All of a sudden, afterwards, the house was quiet for the reason she couldn't understand. The terrorists left, and this family started from that week in Amos to the Kabbalah Shabbos. Lech Lecha, we have to go forward and see what is the Kaddish Bochu want? What is the Kaddish Bochu telling us? Why are we having the same? Not to get depressed or get mocked in time to saying, what's the message? Where can I take it further? Where can I go? That's what we learned from the Ramavino, and that's why the Torah expounds on it so much to tell us that that's the side, the foundation, and the direction that it has to take. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. Ho Doof.